Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 11 of the Contagious Courage podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Matheson, and today I am joined by motivational speaker and kindness advocate, Houston Kraft. Thank you for joining me today, Houston. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so I had the pleasure of hearing you speak earlier this year at the OASC Fall Conference. And you are an incredible speaker. It was so moving and inspiring. And I got to learn also about your Character Strong curriculum. And for those who have never heard about the Character Strong curriculum before, uh, what is it? (laughs) Yeah, thanks for your kind words. Uh, Yeah, yeah, that was a really fun time working with Oregon's student leaders and talking about what it looks like to practice kindness and why that's our job. And that's mm-hmm. sort of what uh, the Character Strong curriculum is all about. I would say on just like the biggest, broadest level, the Character Strong curriculum's goal is to make the world a more loving, kind, compassionate place. Mm-hmm. And I would say one of our core beliefs at Character Strong is that the, the pathway to a kinder world is to teach it. Mm-hmm. Um, we believe that kindness is a skill. Um, I think it's a, it's a character trait. Uh, more and more, I've been saying that kindness is a character trait supported by social emotional skills, right? Mm-hmm. So if, if we don't teach something like empathy or perspective taking, I think the practice of kindness gets harder. <laughs> mm-hmm. If we don't teach emotional regulation, kindness is much more challenging. Uh, so Character Strong is a curriculum um, and training organization that I started alongside my friend and hero, a guy named John Norlin. I saw speak at a similar event and he inspired <laughs> me into action to practice more kindness in my life and a few years ago we came together and, and created Character Strong. I, uh, I've been speaking now for almost a decade. I've had a chance to work with about 600 schools or organizations all around the world mm-hmm. and uh, John was a 10-year classroom teacher, taught a full load of leadership at the high school mm-hmm. level which is pretty unusual, um, five leadership classes a day and then he went on yeah. to become the program administrator of the whole child. So it was in a position they invented for him because uh, his district had this cool vision that character and social emotional learning is important enough to have someone coordinating the efforts grades K through 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's what Character Strong uh, is sort of a byproduct of is, is my experience yeah. seeing school culture across the board in a lot of different campuses. And then John going deep into the leadership and, and sort of you know, the systems world of, of schools Um, And Mm -hmm. how then do we equip teachers and students with the skills and uh, the training and the tools Mm -hmm. to bring character and compassion to life uh, to create a culture of kindness in in schools, um, hopefully K through 12. That's our goal and beyond. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And then so for those who can't see you, um, you're (laughs) relatively young. um, And you said you've been speaking for about a decade now. um, So how old are you? And when did you start speaking? (laughs) uh, I'm I'm turning 30 next month. Okay. Um, So I started speaking pretty young. um, And like I said, I was fortunate enough to be inspired very Mm -hmm. young, which I think uh, as I look into the generation that I get to work with right now, it's, I think this is more than ever a purpose-fueled generation. Mm-hmm. And so absolutely, I think that's why this work is more important than ever is these kids, they're done with busy work. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're done with work that they don't know why they're doing what they're doing. Um, and I think sometimes they get the, the bad rep of being lazy or 
um, entitled. And, and I really mm-hmm. believe it's just like, if you give these kids something purposeful to do, they will work harder than ever before, more creatively mm-hmm. than ever before. Uh, mm-hmm. which is where I think we've seen traction with character strong. It's like, as soon as you give kids opportunities to be good, then they practice good. They just need the mm-hmm. ideas. Yeah. And the curriculum aspect of it, was that something that was John's idea and you kind of joined in with it? Or I, I don't think of many 20 or some year olds um, with the aspiration of, I want to create <laughs> or write a, a curriculum. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's funny, I, in high school, I was one of, you know, I was a part of student leadership. And I was one of the people that would help hire speakers. And I always had that frustration of like, the speaker came in, told stories that made you feel inspired for a couple of days. And when you feel good, you act good. But as soon as you stop feeling good, you stop acting good. So Mm -hmm. I was always frustrated by like the limited nature of that impact. And my goal getting into the speaking world was always like, I want to be the speaker that shows up and and makes sustainable change. And then Mm -hmm. for like six years, I just was the guy that showed up and not always, but a lot of times would just come in and do the assembly in a workshop. And and then I was done. And um, I, yeah, on some level, I've always wanted more, but John for 10 years built uh, the leadership curriculum in the trenches over Mm -hmm. the course of a decade. Um, and then towards the end of his time and as he was working, as he was moving into the district work, um, he was doing a lot of consulting with districts and schools. And one school was like, hey, we have this advisory. Can you build <laughs> basically the equivalent of like 200 lessons? Mm-hmm. And John was like, sure. And then he went home and his wife was like, what? <laughs> uh, as it turns out, it's a ton of work. So yeah. we came together and um, over the years, you know, my background was in design, my background's in um, theater, my background's in summer camp and leadership camp. Um, Mm -hmm. And I had designed a lot of activities and just through trial and error had found things that worked, that that were relevant and engaging for kids, seemingly sort of wherever I went, you know, you throw some stuff against the wall and some stuff sticks. Um, And John had that experience of, you know, at least having built some curriculum before so we came together to, to build the advisory curriculum alongside a team of educators that we knew we could trust to give some really objective feedback and who could add, you know, experiential learning activities or videos or images that we knew were going to be um, important or worthwhile for the subjects we wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was sort of a, this one, the, the, the leadership curriculum was really John's, that's his like baby, you know, mm-hmm. and and then the advisory curriculum and everything else we've created since um, has been a really fun team effort of not only John and I, but a lot of other teachers as well. Very cool. Um, and you talk about how Character Strong is really about helping create a, a school culture and climate. And I feel like those are kind of hot words yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, and this seems like a duh, a duh question to me, but why is school culture so important? <laughs> yeah, um, they are some buzzwords right now. And I think anytime you have buzzwords, it's worth clarifying what they mean. So I think when, when you saw me speak, I, I shared a little bit about one of our favorite authors and um, someone that we've actually worked with a, a little bit to adapt some of his work in the business world um, into the, the education system. His name is James Hunter. And he wrote a book called The Servant. And his most recent book is called uh, The Culture. And in the book, The Culture, he says that culture goes much deeper than a mission statement. Culture is how group members actually behave repeatedly and habitually. 
which I love that definition because uh, a lot of times we think school culture is um, either like a, like this, like fluffy idea uh, mm-hmm. or we think it's just like our value words, you know, it's our pillars or it's the acronym we come up with, or it's the mission statement or the vision statement. And those things are important. Don't get me wrong, but they, uh, they all, just because you have a mission statement or a value word doesn't mean that the behaviors in the building line up. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about behavior, it's not just student behavior. It's also staff behavior, adult mm-hmm. behavior in the building. Uh, and so school culture is, you know, the, the one word definition we use for culture is behavior. Mm-hmm. So uh, why is school culture important? Well, uh, you never don't have a school culture, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And so my friend, Phil Boyd, who's been doing uh, school culture work for a long time, he says you either have a school culture by design or a school culture by default. Mm-hmm. Uh, you never you never get to escape it. it either happens to you or you get intentional and thoughtful about what you're doing and and so then the the next question becomes well how do we impact or affect those behaviors because mm-hmm. climate and sometimes those words get lumped together culture and climate mm-hmm. climate is is actually distinct from culture it's it's the, the byproduct of the attention to behavior right so it's like when we put our intentional focus on how people are behaving um, on why they're behaving that way, on how to teach them new skills of, of behavior, of reminding them of the behaviors that we want to see. When we get intentional about behavior, um, climate is the, the effects of those behaviors on the people in that environment. So every day when we show up to school, we feel something when we walk in the building. Uh, and that looks like a lot of different things for a lot of different people. Um, but it's not a hard line to draw that like behaviors mm-hmm. impact feelings, right? When people behave mm-hmm. X, we feel Y. Um, and so if we get thoughtful about the behaviors we're creating, then we can create a feeling in a building, which is critical, right? Because when kids feel safe and supported and cared for and accepted and belonging, all the data would tell us that they, they show up, they work harder, they feel more socially connected, mm-hmm. they feel safe. We can go back to the conversation around trauma and ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, and knowing that the number one thing that students need who are showing up to your school with trauma, which is at every school, mm-hmm. um, is a consistent positive adult that they can trust. So they need to feel safe and belonging in a school if they're ever going to learn. Um, mm-hmm. My favorite quote by Maya Angelou is, people will forget what you say, people will forget what you do, but people will never forget the way you make them feel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so... Ultimately, the number one thing kids are going to remember and staff are going to remember from their experience in whatever school you're at is the way that they were made to feel there. So yeah. what are we doing to be thoughtful about the number one thing people are going to remember? Yeah, so good. Um, my, the school that I teach at, we are building a new high school um, that we will move into in the fall of 2020. Um, so we're going through a process of creating that new vision statement and creating that new motto and, and kind of rebranding our school. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're also beginning to really talk about what is our current school culture and what do we want it to be and mm-hmm. how do we get it there? Um, and so I'm now using the, the character strong curriculum in my leadership class, um, which has been so fun. I I've tried out some, some different curriculum and, and, class and I feel like some of them can be a little cheesy yeah. um, but the students really like this one they're engaged um, and it provides an opportunity uh, not just for them to to work on those skills but for us to build relationships um, students amongst themselves and with me um, when we share some of these stories and we talk about um, experience prior experiences that we've had in life 
it really allows us to begin to build these relationships within the classroom and then think about how we're going to act and treat others within the school. Um, so it's been really fun uh, to begin using that. And I'm excited to, to see where it takes us. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's designed to be really relational. So it's mm-hmm. like most curricula, but, but I think this one more than ever, because it is so relationship based, uh, mm-hmm. that it's like the more willing we are to dig in exactly like you said, to, to our stories and and our relationships and do the work ourselves. You know, one of the questions we always ask at Character Strong is who needs character development? <laughs> and sometimes educators' natural reaction is like Connor in my first period class. <laughs> but the real answer is always like, well, we as adults need to be role modeling what it mm-hmm. looks like and, and being willing to be vulnerable to share that, that process, whether we're mm-hmm. succeeding or struggling. Like that's a gift. That's a huge yeah. gift as an educator to give kids is to navigate that with them. Yeah, exactly. Um, And then part of uh, your message um, that I got that I loved um, hearing you speak was the how important kindness is and how it's more important and different than being nice. (laughs) And I now have a sticker on my um, school computer, which I'm technically not supposed to do, but I have it there. Uh, Rebel without a cause. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a great conversation starter, though, with students because they see kind is greater than nice. And they're like, what does that mean? Aren't they the same thing? Yeah. Um, so how are they different? Yeah, the, the story is in, inspired by a, a kid who, who I was speaking at a school and a kid came down after the assembly. And uh, he was a senior boy at a high school in Texas. And he walks up to me and he goes, Houston, thank you so much for talking today. I realized while I was listening to you that I'm a really nice person. I'm like, cool. <laughs> like that, That's good. I guess that's the point. And uh, he goes, no, you don't understand. He goes, I realized while I was listening to you talk about kindness that I'm nice, but I don't think I'm very kind. I said, well, what is the difference? And he says, well, I think nice is easy because it's just a reaction. Right? Everyone thinks they're nice because nice doesn't require much from us. It's, it's, it's a reaction, meaning like if you're nice to me, I'll be nice back to you. If I like you, I'll be nice to you. If I agree with you, I'll be nice to you. If you drop your things, I might go and help you. But he goes, I think kindness is different. If, if nice is reactive, he goes, I think kindness is proactive. Because mm-hmm. Kindness goes out of its way to look for opportunities to help people, to pay attention to people, to appreciate people. He goes, someone shouldn't have to be nice to me first before I show kindness towards them. Mm-hmm. No, I shouldn't even have to basically like someone in order to practice loving them. Uh, and then he says, he says this line where he's talking about like that idea of, you know, waiting for someone to drop their books. He's like, why do we have to wait for bad stuff to happen before we practice making people feel good? Mm-hmm. And he's a senior boy at a high school in the middle of nowhere, Texas. And, he, and he, he starts to cry. And he goes, I realize that kindness requires a lot of work. And I think I have a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, man, me too. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I love that premise that, that mm-hmm. kindness is work mm-hmm. and that, I think a lot of people, myself included, we excuse ourselves from doing kind things because they are maybe inconvenient or because we have this like this baseline belief that we're nice, like, mm-hmm. well, I'm a good person, uh, which is that's probably the vast majority of us are, are definitely just like, yeah, baseline. We are good people. Mm-hmm. But I was at a conference not long ago and the guy running it said, you don't have to be bad to get better. <laughs> And I love that premise in the context of kindness is like 
kind you know nice is baseline but kindness is that like that extra piece that that work piece the the piece that actually like moves the needle Mm -hmm. (laughs) the piece that actually creates change are those moments of ultimately like almost always kindness is like inconvenient it's it's uncomfortable it's awkward it's weird it's like you risk rejection you risk being embarrassed you risk failure you risk uh, all these things that make kindness more complicated than I think we we make it out to be and in most of the ways that we we talk about kindness in our culture mm-hmm. I've been thinking about that a lot recently of I think we we love the concept of kindness and we even commodify it so much and we have like these like posters that say throw kindness around like confetti mm-hmm. and I'm like if kindness was as easy as confetti we'd be a lot better at it already <laughs> And so what if we, you know, I think one of the things that I'm passionate about is I think as a culture, we need to speak about kindness in a way that honors how hard it is. Mm -hmm. And I think that requires us to change our vocabulary, right? Our understanding Mm -hmm. of that word. And at least for me, kindness becomes clarified when I contextualize it and what it's not, you Mm -hmm. know, and it's, it's not niceness. Kindness is a, it's a courageous thing, Mm -hmm. right? Versus nice, which is a complacent thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I loved it the first time I heard it. Um, and it is really refreshing to hear again. Um, because I think I've always felt like there's a difference, but I was never able to really uh, put my finger on what the difference mm. was. And, and when you said it, I was like, yes, that, that is right. And that makes that makes sense. So it's been fun to have that conversation um, yeah. with students when they're like, why does what it say this? this? Yeah. Aren't they the same? <laughs> You're not allowed to have stickers on school computers. <laughs> None of them have said that to me, but. There you go. Good. <laughs> um, so what can people do to, to be more kind? You say it takes work. It, it's not as easy as being nice. Um, but what can people do to practice being more kind? Yeah, I think change always starts with, an, with awareness mm-hmm. of identifying what are the the moments that you know are potential opportunities for generosity or to pay attention to people or to celebrate people or to be with people, to listen to people, you know, what are those moments that uh, you intentionally or unintentionally avoid? Um, And I have lots of examples of those in my life, you know, like when I get busy, I don't have time to just like sit with people or listen to people. And I know that one of the most kind things we can do is just make people feel heard or seen. Mm Um, and so it's like, what is it about being busy that I feel drawn to? And is, is my busyness serving the world in the, in the way that I want to, or is, is busyness distracting me mm-hmm. from other things? Yeah. <laughs> so there's like, even just one level of the conversation with yourself, that process of self-reflection around like, what does get in my way, um, of doing this thing that I know is important, um, and being conscious of, yeah, like I'm a nice person, but what is what does kindness then look like for for me personally? What is mm-hmm. what is something that is out of my way, that is out of my comfort zone, that is challenging or inconvenient to me, mm-hmm. um, that would put me into action in a way that I don't normally do on a day to day basis. Yeah. So that's sort of piece one. It's like those self reflective questions, mm-hmm. and I think piece two for me, I, I think a lot about habit development, and uh, there's a statistic I think about often, which is that 45% of our day is built on routine, uh, which is crazy to me because if that's true. It, it means that 45% of my life is built on routine, mm-hmm. <laughs> which when you really dig in, it kind of makes sense. A lot of our life is built on habits. And so the question I started asking myself is what part of that 45% is designed to be kind? Mm-hmm. 
you know, what part of my everyday routine serves someone else besides me? And for that matter, is there any part of my daily routine that's kind towards myself? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and I think just identifying, first of all, that, again, self-reflective question, what, do I have any habits of kindness in my life, mm-hmm. whether it's self-love or other love? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's thinking about how do we, then what is something that's really low burden that um, I could incorporate into my daily routine, right? And for some of those, for some of us, that's like, we have to start with ourselves first before we're ever going to incorporate something for others. So maybe that is a five minute meditation for someone, or maybe that is the writing down a few things you're grateful for. Maybe that is checking in with someone that you love, who you know always makes you feel affirmed or supported and, and making time for that every day. Um, and then it's the process of saying, okay, then what is, what is a low burden thing that I can do for others each day? Mm-hmm. And, you know, my favorite routine that I've been in the habit of is anytime I hear a new song, I listen to lots of music when I travel. Mm-hmm. Anytime I hear a song that I like, um, I like to share that with someone that it reminds me of. Aww. So that's like one of my, yeah. what is oftentimes more or less a daily practice of kindness for me is sharing something that reminds me of someone. I love that. Um, yeah, it's my, it's one of my favorite messages to receive. Like, mm-hmm. Hey, this reminded me of you. So I want to send more of those in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, yours could look different. You know, maybe yeah. yours is showing up to school a few minutes early and you're holding the doors in the morning and greeting students. Mm-hmm. Or maybe for someone else, it's sitting down and writing a postcard to someone in their life three times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, you know, there's nearly infinite number of things that we could do. But I think the, the big thing is always a, like with habits, it's always about small wins mm-hmm. and, and manageable choices. So it's not like, let's plan the next kindness week or kindness month or kindness mm-hmm. year. It's like, what does it look like for me daily in my 45% to make this a habit for me, right? Something Mm -hmm. that I'm not just doing, but it's a part of who I'm being. Yeah. Yeah. Very thought provoking and insightful there. I really enjoyed that. Um, And you've also started um, something called Choose Love. And is that directly tied into character strong in your message of kindness or is that different? Yeah, good question. So I, um, uh, since like 2011, one of my, uh, my friend Tyler, my sort of mentor in the speaking world, when I first started speaking, he asked me, he's like, hey, before you ever get on stage, I think it's important for you to know what you believe is capital T true. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> um, one I think about often. And I think one of my capital T truths is that fear is a feeling, love is a choice. And I established that really early on when I first started speaking and it started to become my message fairly early. It's like this idea of choosing love Mm -hmm. and how the only time we get better at love in our life is when we make a deliberate choice to do it, even when we don't necessarily feel like it. Uh, And over the years, uh, that message has um, resonated with me. It's resonated with a lot of students. Um, I was inspired in large part from John the messages I heard at that camp, camp I'm still a part of in Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, last year, uh, alongside a group of friends, launched something called ChooseLove.org. Uh, that um, the premise of it is that love is this really lovely, beautiful idea in our life mm-hmm. that we know is important, but it's sort of massive. I kind of think about it like the menu at the Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> it's like there's so many choices that even though we all know it's important, we get overwhelmed by the choices and we just Mm -hmm. sort of settle for the thing that we would always get, which for me Mm -hmm. is the Chipotle chicken pasta. (laughs) So it's like, if we, 
unless we have intentional conversations or unless we break down something like love mm-hmm. into more manageable ideas or sections, then it's always going to feel sort of overwhelming to us. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what does love actually look like in a, like a monthly practice? Mm-hmm. Um, so we talk about like the practice of kindness, the practice of empathy, the practice of vulnerability, the practice of commitment, the practice of all these like these ideas in our life that we that are still big, but they're not mm-hmm. as big as this like overarching thing called love. Mm-hmm. Um, and so started doing that in order to serve sort of a broader audience and then um, realized that the work that we were doing with Character Strong was so busy and so um, so important in, in terms of like the, the long term impact. Right? That's what mm-hmm. education is all about is like, how do mm-hmm. we change normal over time? Um, and so uh, Choose Love has um, always been a part of the message of Character Strong, but it's now been more deliberately absorbed into Character Strong. So some of the practices and the workshops and the philosophies and the tools that we created in Choose Love mm-hmm. all now live under the Character Strong umbrella. So we're still making cool. um, content and uh, products and experiences built around the Choose Love concept. Mm-hmm. But everything we do now is is all under Character Strong. Character Strong. Cool. And I, I love the title that you guys um, have chosen for that character strong. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was a, a brainchild of John many years ago. I think he <laughs> like tweeted it with a, like next to a hashtag. And okay. I was like, that's money. We got it. That's the thing. We're going to do that. <laughs> there you go. And speaking of it, uh, character strong is releasing a podcast. Yeah. Um, what is it going to be about? Is it going to be a, you know, tailored to educators and students. Um, what is kind of the theme of the Character Strong podcast? Yeah, the theme is school culture and leadership. And uh, we think about it as the Character Strong commute because it's going to be about 10 minutes or less. Okay. So uh, very digestible ideas like yeah. on your way to work, one inspiring story and or practical thing that you could do as an educator right when you show up. So very geared towards teachers, administrators, counselors, anyone who's in the education world or even passionate leaders. Um, we're trying to think about how they change culture or change the world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the, the big theme is like John's tagline is cut the fluff right to the stuff. <laughs> so it's go. like that, like really quick win um, on your way to or from work. Um, and we're launching on April 1st, Yay. and uh, I think it's going to be awesome. We have about 50 episodes already recorded um, with a bunch of incredible educators from all across the country um, and world, for that matter. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think it's going to be uh, – it's one of the things I'm most proud of so far with what we've created. Yeah, I'm super excited to tune in. Um, are you guys – do you have a plan right now? Is it going to be like one episode a week or a couple episodes a week? Or what do you guys have envisioned for that? Yep, at, at minimum one per week. And then we have a couple of sort of series set up where we okay. do multiple back-to-back episodes with a, a certain educator who has like, you know, five things that they wanted mm-hmm. to share. So we have a couple of those lined up as well. But yeah, at least once a week. Very cool. I I used to listen to the news on the way to work. I'd listen to NPR um, which I still do periodically, but I, I started to find that I was showing up to work sometimes or more often than not, like drained or frustrated, um, or overwhelmed. Um, and I was like, I can't start the day this way. Like maybe I can listen to NPR on the way home, but I, I need something else. And so I started listening to podcasts on the way to work because I found that 
I I would listen to podcasts that were uplifting or inspiring and I'd show up to work being like yes like it's going to be a great day um, and <laughs> yeah. so I'm excited to add this into my uh, rotation podcast rotation exactly yeah. and, and have little little snippets each week that I can take into the classroom with me that's the best yeah and how um, is it going to be called the character strong podcast or how can people follow along and tune in yep um that's ex- uh, the character strong podcast is right <laughs> um and it'll be on all platforms spotify itunes uh google play all those spots perfect well and on april 1st is the day that we're big launching i don't know if this will be out by then or not but <laughs> yeah no that's awesome i'm i'm excited and hopefully um i have at least a handful of, of educators um who listen to this so hopefully they'll um, get tuned into the character strong as well. Amazing. Thank you. Yeah. And before I let you go, um, I have five questions that I love to, to ask everyone who comes on the podcast. And the first one, uh, and you, you mentioned some books earlier, but you might have a different answer for this. What is your favorite or must read book? Yeah. If you're in the education world, then the servant is a great paradigm shift on leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, I recommend that one. I would definitely recommend Daring Greatly by mm-hmm. Brene Brown, mm-hmm. talking about courageous conversations. That would be right up uh, your alley. Yeah, I love Brene Brown. She's the best. <laughs> um, yeah, and then in terms of a children's book, um, The Whole Human Race by Jamie Lee Curtis. That's okay. a good one, too. The Whole Human Race. Cool. Uh, and then self-care is so important it was something that I didn't even I didn't know what the term meant until I was in college and then realized that I had the worst self-care um so I've done a better job of prioritizing self-care and I love to know what other people do for self-care so what do you do for self-care do you have a a self-care routine yeah uh yeah if you have if you have some tips let me know (laughs) (laughs) um yeah you know speaking of Brene Brown um, one of the most interesting things she says t- in, in all of her research to me is that uh, the most compassionate people are the most boundaried, which mm-hmm. means that the kindest people know what they're saying yes to and know what they're saying no to. And mm-hmm. they say no a lot. <laughs> uh, and so one of the self-care things I've been working on a bunch is creating really clear boundaries over my time and where I'm traveling to and Mm -hmm. um, I'm starting to see some results from that which is really exciting Mm -hmm. Um, opening up more time in my life to to do things that I'm I'm passionate about um, as well as um, grow character strong in ways that I think are meaningful Mm -hmm. Um, and then the other big piece for me is I dance I love Mm -hmm. dancing I'm obsessed with dancing (laughs) yeah Um, there's some there's some places in LA that I like to go that are like it's like all all dance all the time. Oh, so that's what I'm, that's my face. Yeah. I, um, this last year, I tend to make New Year's resolutions around my birthday more so than the new year. Yeah. Um, but my, my goal for 28 was to say no more because I found that I, I needed to prioritize the things that I was committing to um, and, and focus on those. And so, yeah, it's been it's been good this last year practicing saying no. It's been difficult, but yep. I definitely feel like I've been happier and have had more time for people um, who I care about and the things that really matter to me. So yep. I think that's a good tip. 
Um, this next one is my favorite question because I love to know it about people. Uh, when you were a little kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? A magician. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the whole thing. I wanted, to be, I wanted to be magic. I did still you... do. <laughs> <laughs> did you practice magic tricks when you were a kid? Yeah, we got yeah. Some, some of the goofy ones from magic shops, and I love yeah. that stuff. More than anything, I just wore that fancy top hat and the cape and the wand. <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and then the name of this podcast is Contagious Courage. And so I want to know um, what, what makes you courageous or what gives you hope for the future? Um, I, I think courage is almost always fueled by clear purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that uh, to loop back to what we talked about at the beginning of our conversation, I think we, the generation that we get to serve is um, desperate for purpose. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe that they, um, they really want to do courageous things in the world. I think they really are tired of some of the status quos that we've created. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of a lot of very courageous kids that I see pushing against what we've just always sort of taken for granted as like, yeah, it's just the way we've always done it. And they're like, no, that's dumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is ridiculous. And uh, I think they have a lot of unique challenges that they have to navigate that will require courage of them. But um, I'm given hope all the time watching kids who are, are deeply passionate about making the world a more kind place kids who walk up to me and you can just tell that their heart has shifted or has been moved because, you know, I'm one of many touch points in their life that have given them permission to, to continue to practice living into a more kind life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm hopeful. Yeah. Love it. Me too. That was a perfect, perfect way to wrap things up, I think. So thank you uh, for taking the time today. I know you're um, a busy person. Actually, I think I skipped over. I did. I skipped over a question. Oh, no. What, what, do we have? <laughs> what is your biggest travel necessity? And you travel a lot for, <laughs> for work. So I'm excited to hear this one. <laughs> mm. uh, biggest travel hack or travel necessity. Mm-hmm. Um, weaving. I'm visiting my mom into when I travel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the best. Um, that is always rejuvenating. I just got to see mm-hmm. her and spend some quality time with her. So mm-hmm. um, make it a part of your itinerary to, to visit your people that yeah. fill you up. That and like that. electric toothbrush. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Okay. Well, now we've hit everything. <laughs> um, so thank you so much for, for taking the time today. Absolutely. And I'm excited to follow along with the, with the podcast. Yeah. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. All right. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of the Contagious Courage podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please consider leaving a review or taking a screenshot to share on your own social media. It all means so, so much to a newbie podcast like mine. Thank you again for listening and don't forget to tune in next week.